Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we're back. Yep. We're Nik- Nikita Sherback. Oh, stop it. You said that same joke when I got into We did, Zoom but I wanted to keep it. God, another one of the list of tall Habs prospects that just couldn't skate and just... Is he still playing hockey? He, he's, he's playing with the Dallas Stars AHL team, I learned today. Yeah. <laughs> Four points in four games. Four points in four games. Really? Yeah. (laughs) You know, he had the offensive ability. He just had nothing else to keep the shirt back. But there was another voice there. We have been, we've mentioned getting this guy on the podcast for, it feels like a year now. (laughs) Welcome to the show, a fellow Habs fan, the sports editor at the eye opener. And I consider him a friend and a funny dude, a hardworking dude. Welcome to the show, Will Baldwin. Will, thank you for being here. A round of applause. I don't know if I, I don't know if I <laughs> a round of applause. Oh, you, you deserve one. You're a good guy. I'm so used to being outnumbered on the show. It's nice to have. You're going to be in my corner today, Will. You're gonna yeah, be us Leafs corner. fans, Alex and I. Yeah. I had to because I'm, I'm so harsh. <laughs> right. Will, first off, I call you the salesman, right? Because I remember a few weeks ago, we got, let's see, a few weeks ago, it would have been, yeah, start of the second semester when Daniel was going back to the eye opening. And we asked, we were asking you if you could just do that video insert, right? <laughs> and I remember Daniel telling us, yeah, so I asked him about it. And by the end of the conversation, he had pitched me to start doing a story. <laughs> and I, a few weeks ago, asked you, hey, do you want to join our fantasy league? And you're like, ah, I'm busy, of course. And by the end of that conversation, you had me <laughs> writing something for the sports issue. You just have a way with words, Will, don't you? Here's the thing. Like, when you're running a section where the section literally doesn't exist because there's no games, you kind of have to, like, find a way to uh, create stories. And uh, mm-hmm. you have to, like, find a way to assign people because you'll, like, assign someone and you think they're going to, like they'll get it done mm-hmm. and you just have no idea when it'll be done. <laughs> so you just have to assign as much as you can and basically hope that things get done. Like we have, st- I have stories that I'm still waiting on from first semester that really, yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's wild. Like this one girl, she's working on this story. I'm really excited about, about female coaches. And, uh, she just like ghosted me. I was like, oh, I, oh. <laughs> I guess the story's not happening. Yeah. And she just messages me over break. She's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go at this now. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for uh, letting me know. And uh, then she messages me the other day and she's like, going to start doing the interviews during reading week. Like, great. Like, can't wait for the five month story to get done. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Before we move on, Will, the draft is going to be done. <laughs> I know we were, I, I was thinking about that. I have a story to do. Um, I had to do like three separate interviews because the guy only had like 20, 30 minutes per time, but it will get done. That that story, 
I'm I'm so excited for it. that was like we have this thing where we all have our eye opener emails and uh, we've all the Google alerts set on so like I get Google alerts for just the randomest things and uh, that one was like I was like what like this is kind of weird why am I getting this this uh I don't want to give up what your story is unless you have already but uh I was like this is kind of random and then i click on it and like scroll down it's talking about nhl teams like whoa weird like what how is ryerson connected and mm-hmm. it's randomly a ryerson coach involved so when that comes out i think that'll be a really cool story i'm excited yeah. for it thank you alex and adam have kept me accountable so uh it will get done <laughs> tried i guess yeah i just want to say i had my draft in i had it the night before i want to well, maybe middle of the night but anyway I feel like your story was time. way easier to do, though. Let's be honest here. Oh, 100%. <laughs> it was done. Though. Don't worry about it. All right? Um, I'm excited to see what Daniels is. Okay, first off, Will, you are a Calgary boy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm going to lose you from being a Habster and if the Flames permanently bring back the, um, the Blasty jersey. So I, I, think, I think the first thing before we get into your article for the Globe, because it's the main reason you're here, it's a great article. We really want to dive into it you have an obligation to explain why Calgary is better than Edmonton. Why? Like the city, I, not the team, I, the city. I think it'd be a better, I think it'd be more, it'd be more interesting to try and explain why Edmonton is better than Calgary. Cause they, they have nothing on us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the, the weather is worse. The city is uglier. They're, <laughs> they're uh, they have way higher crime rates. Like, I don't like, I don't know what's going for Edmonton. I mean, like, like I like seriously, Edmonton is uh my um I went to boarding school in grade twelve, and uh, my teacher was a he's from Edmonton, and explained to me why people from Calgary hate Edmonton so much, and it actually goes back to the uh, the early nineteen hundreds, and it's because like when they in Western Canada how they did it was like. There's the jail, the university, and the capital. And what they did in Saskatchewan is the jails in Prince Albert, the universities in Saskatoon, and the capital's Regina. But for whatever reason in Alberta, they put all of them in Edmonton. So basically since then, supposedly he claims that this is why everyone in Calgary hates Edmonton, because apparently people in Edmonton like Calgary, but no one from Calgary likes Edmonton. At all. Like, you can't find anyone from Calgary who will say anything nice than about Edmonton just because, like, it's just worse. So, just, this is so this is why no one's signing in Edmonton, right? Just Kyle <laughs> Turris and, and the guys who really can't get jobs anywhere else. They can't get all of, Reckman, all of Reckman Larson. They can't get Jacob Markstrom. The list goes on. Like, this, not just year one. Connor McDavid's still playing next to Josh Archibald, which is beyond me. They got Tyson, they got Tyson Berry, Leafs legend. Oh, that's not oh, even no no no. On. Um. So we'll, one last thing before I throw it to Alex. To ask the first thing about the piece. Who is Will Baldwin? What do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, from you know what you're you're obviously you do a lot of stuff here. You're the sports guy at the eye. You're a big basketball guy. You've got some hockey in you. What's yeah. the story with Will here? What you're also a tall guy. <laughs> You know what? What's funny about that is I remember the first time I talked to Will was I had another class with Riley Fussell, so you're good friends with. And I remember saying to Riley, I'm like, God, you and Will are so tall. And Riley went to me, you know what? Hate, Will hates it when people say that. 
And the next time I saw Will, I'm like, man, I feel so sorry, my guy. I feel so bad. <laughs> I feel it, bad now. It's um the reason the reason it, it's I don't hate it. It's just it, it gets annoying because like when you meet people, it's not when you're friends with people. Like, I don't care if like I don't care if my friends make fun of me for being tall. It's when you meet people, and their like go to thing when they say to you is like, wow, you're tall. <laughs> and you're, or they're like they'll say like wow you're tall you're really tall or they're ask how tall you were and you're like cool like what am i supposed to say like yeah i know like <laughs> thank you i thank you for informing me like what like you know what before we met i actually only remembered you as the basketball jersey guy remember you always had like a different jersey every time i saw you that's hilarious because like i think it was i can't remember in first year i think it was first year I had like a day that I wore a jersey. Like I was just like, whatever. I'm gonna. It was like Wednesday or something. So it just must have been the day you saw me in the RCC because I only wore them once a week. Um, yeah. So like your your piece is about um, hockey evolving, and I think it's it's been a discussion before obviously march and and april in april and may when obviously the nba had um players step off step off the court and not play i think this is a a discussion we've been having for years so why did you choose to write this piece now um well, it's funny. I said to my my parent when I told my parents it was going and getting published, I was like, "You guys have heard this story. I just haven't. You just haven't read it, because I've been talking about these things for years, like these issues that I had, or I guess have with hockey from growing up playing, were prevalent throughout, and things that really bothered me throughout. And I just like decided that. I mean, I after I made my connection with the Globe in November and got my first piece published there, I thought this would be a cool one to try and get it published. And uh, I got lucky and they were interested in it. And basically the genesis of the pitch was like, I pitched it in early in mid January. And the idea was like, it would come out like, cause hockey was starting and the timing would work and they like pushed it back until now for it's the glow. Like I'm not going to complain. <laughs> You're not going to be right. mad, but yeah, it's not. I like. I wouldn't say it's anything, anything new. For, like because the thing about the big things that have blown up, like I mentioned, the Leipzig thing, mm-hmm. is like people think that that's the first time that's happened. When like we all know, if you have played at a reasonably high level, or you know people that have played at a high level, that stuff like that goes on all the time. Just the difference is, is like it got exposed, like. Or like the Akeem Alou, like the thing, the things that have been issues in hockey have been issues for a really long time. And it's important now that we talk about, like I talked about the financial issues, like I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not break, I'm not, I'm not breaking any, like I'm not changing the world by saying hockey's expensive. <laughs> no. But I think it's important that we talk about that, like this is supposed to be Canada's sport. Mm-hmm. And right. you look around and you're like, man, like a huge percentage of Canadians can't even play our own sport. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. you talked about your dad's reaction to buying a stick. Yeah. And then I remember thinking before I even read the next sentence, what was his reaction when it broke? And then you talked about when it did. Um, for, you were a goalie. Yeah. 
What's goalie equipment like too? Because they've got all like bits and that, the pads too. Just even worse, eh, for you? Oh, it's like it's just not even. <laughs> it's uh, like I mean my my pads we ordered. I uh, for the first time, I got for the first time, I was originally all used. Then my parents in second year Adam. Cause I had like horrendous coho pads from like the nineties. It was my first set. <laughs> and then we, uh, my parents ordered from this brand called Simmons, which is basically like a ripoff of Vaughn. And it's basically just like cheaper Vaughn, which is fine. Like you're a little kid who cares, but like quality isn't exactly exceptional. And then from there I went to like super old Vaughn pads again, like used. Then we went up and then I got like newer newer Vons. I was a big Vaughn guy, but like, it was like their lower level. So like, it wasn't something crazy. And then my last set I got in uh first year midget and they were the V4s. We ordered them online and I believe they were 1800 for oh. just, for just the pads. What? Obviously doesn't include any other part of your oh my god at all um sorry go ahead i was just gonna like glove glove is a good 500 bucks if you go new like yeah like you're dropping like if you go if you go like high quality goalie gear for every piece of equipment you're like spending five grand pretty easily just because like everything's expensive like there's nothing that is really cheap like the skates you guys know how much skates are like the skates aren't really that different everyone knows how much high level skates are and then even the helmets like i never got the highest grade helmet because the highest grade helmet was like if you're playing in the nhl like they but they sell it to everyone because they want to make money off it but the highest grade helmet when i was playing it's probably more now is a grand like you (laughs) it was crazy it's crazy yeah um the NHL and you know and Sportsnet and TSN at the same time, there's been this phrase that has really been thrown out there over the past few months. Well, when you hear the phrase hockey is for everyone, how does it make you feel? I think it's kind of funny. Cause it's it's just not true. <laughs> like, like it's just like a clear marketing ploy to sell the people. Cause like so like my dad right now is uh he's the principal at a high school in Calgary and the high school he works at it's a public school but they have a partnership with one of the high level hockey organizations. Mm-hmm. And we were talking because for my final feature piece in the feature course I wrote about uh prep basketball players and how they're trying to get scholarships and how one of the programs that I talked to for this prep, which would, I guess, be the equivalent of high-level midget hockey, um, the uh, program offers scholarships. And my dad and I were laughing because that's just not a thing in hockey. <laughs> like, you've never heard of a kid who plays AAA playing for free because their kid, they couldn't afford it. It's just not a thing. Like, I remember my parents telling me, my dad's a high school principal, my mom is a full-time teacher, both of them have their master's degrees. Like they're highly educated people with really good jobs, obviously. And I remember my mom telling me that 
if I had a sibling, because I have I've two older half-brothers from my dad's previous marriage, but in terms of my two my parents' marriage who are still together, if I had had like a full sibling at the same age as me, uh, we wouldn't have been able to play high-level hockey. Couldn't have afforded two of us. <laughs> like, And part of that was because I was a goalie. Like, I think that's also part of the thing you have to acknowledge is like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did a ton of things. So like the gear is expensive and it also mentions in my byline that I was a goalie coach mm-hmm. and uh, the place I ended up goalie coaching at was a place that I went weekly for the majority of Bantam and Midget where you could get individual sessions for half an hour. So like we put everything into hockey. Obviously you do not have to, yeah. but essentially as a goalie it's basically unheard of in calgary if you're playing at a certain level and you're not like i can't think of a kid who wasn't doing some type of extra goalie coaching on the side whether it was with this company or another company players it's cheaper there's no doubt about that obviously like no one's gonna no no one's gonna no one's gonna deny that but i think the point of the fact of the matter is is whatever position you play it's not for everyone because everyone can't afford it so if you're going to say hockey is for everyone then financially and even if like they'll say like everyone can play house league like great but just think about when you watch the nhl draft and you watch the other sports drafts they'll tell like the stories in the nfl and the nba like this kid was homeless growing up this kid was like whatever and then like they'll tell like the heartthrob NHL story and be like, this kid's parents divorced when he was 13. You're like, uh, that's difficult, but like it's a little bit, you know what I mean? Like you don't hear the stories of like, you don't hear the stories of this parent, this family had no money. It'll be like, they barely were able to afford hockey. You're like, oh, what were their jobs? And, like he had a full time job and so did the mom, but they had to work late. Like, you're like, what? This is crazy. Like, but yeah, I like it's definitely getting better. Like I mentioned I mentioned the article, the women's registration is going up. Mm-hmm. The, we're seeing leagues like the NWHL putting actual tangible money into women's hockey for the first time really ever. We're seeing the Professional Women's Hockey Association. I mean, like say what we want about Barstool, but like even a brand like Barstool is talking a ton about women's hockey. Like no one talked about women's hockey other than the Olympics 10 years ago. Like that, that part of the game is growing. So like, there's definitely things that are improving about it, but like the reality is, is there's not enough and the things that, and not enough is being done to actually make improvements in areas that could really easily be improved. Mm -hmm. The the great, sorry, just what I just, you brought up the draft story and I think I find it, it's always funny. They talk more about the players who had fathers or uncles or whoever who played in the NHL rather than focusing on like the actual hardships of people. And you're right. Like there's so little of them, but there's always the focus of, Oh, well, you know, his dad played in the NHL. Like here's another Kachuk or whoever, just throw a name. Here's another stall. Let's just or Sutter. throw a name. Right. Like well, that's like, the story. And it sucks. Cause like, I like, you don't want to call them out. Cause like anyone who makes the NHL, like it's a crazy story. Like, I played a ton of hockey at a relatively high level 
for a vast majority of it. And I only know like five to 10 kids who are going to play in the NHL. Like, and that's just, and that's, and a couple of them just like random. <laughs> like when I played in minor midget, I was on Kale McCarr's team. I wonder if Kale McCarr is going to the NHL. Like, and then all of a sudden, two years later, the guys that committed Div One were like, "What? Kale McCarr? Like he was like he was good in minor midget, but like he wasn't that." So obviously, there's unbelievable stories of kids making it, and you don't you never want to like crap on a kid whose dad played in the NHL. Like it's still a cool story, but at the end of the day, like you're saying, there's levels to the idea that your dad got millions of dollars to play hockey and you were homeless or something <laughs> like, like it's, it's a cool story. Like, of course it's fun. I remember watching Keith Kachuk play. I like, so it's cool seeing his kids play in the NHL, but it's also a little different. It's just a different story, I guess. And something that I think people really kind of ignore in hockey. Like it's one of those things where people say they care about it, but it's like, I remember when I was playing in Adam and people were like, hockey's too expensive. And we're 15 years later and it's worse. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like if we actually cared, why isn't it actually improving? Yeah. Mm -hmm. On that point, uh, Will, like we know that, you know, you're a huge basketball guy. Um, A lot of your focus is on that right now. Like, can you talk to me about compared to the NBA, like how do you evaluate the work the NHL has done, I guess, in regards to inclusion and making the game for everyone? I mean, honestly, I think hockey has done a great job with the LGBTQ community. They were at the forefront of that. I don't know how many people remember that. I mean, Brian Burke got hired this week, so it's kind of a topical story. But with his son, that was that was like 2010, and that wasn't going on in other sports. Like the Michael Sam thing in the NFL was four was four or five years later. Like that was pretty unheard of when the NHL made a full on commitment to work with you can play. So they definitely have tried with certain things, but I mean, the reality is, is like the racial issue continues. Like I remember it wasn't that long ago that I think it was Wayne Simmons in an exhibition game. Someone threw a banana peel on the ice. Like that wasn't that long. London. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't that long ago. And I mean, the thing with hockey though is particularly with the racial issues is other than the Akeem Alou story and like the occasional racial slur, which you can get out of it. Like that's one of the things I mean, like people can really, the bigger problem with hockey and the racial issue kind of goes back to the financial issue where you see like, why are all, all of these players white? It's because more white people have financial opportunities to be able to put themselves in this position to play at this level. Like that's why like we can dance around the issue, but that's the real reason. That's, that's where you see the, like I was going through my comments on the Globe and Mail because they you can comment on articles. And uh, I was going through to prepare for this. And uh, a bunch of the comments are like, no one talks about in the NFL how it's mostly black guys. Well, it's like no one in the NFL, no one talks about that because there's not a massive hindrance for other races to get to the NFL. Like if you don't have the money to play hockey, you're not going to get to hockey, get to play hockey. Like that's why that's where you see the racial issue. That's where you see the league is mostly white. And then also, and then other people point out like part of it is too, 
with Europe, like it's just a way wider area and it's where the sport's bigger. But in terms of North America, there's no reason Canada, like there's no reason that we should be talking about a Quinton Byfield as like a unique story. Like that should be a regular occurrence. Like it shouldn't be a random thing that, wow, a black guy went in the first round this year. That's a big deal. Like, no, that should be like, that should be a regular thing. The When you look at the population of Canada and the U S where the sport is obviously massive, there's no reason that we shouldn't be seeing multiple Asian people, multiple black people getting drafted every year, but we don't. And people don't talk about it enough because it's uncomfortable and it, to fix it requires more than just saying you can play or everyone can play. Like you actually have to go down to the grassroots level and figure out, Hey, why is hockey not resonating with these other people? Like why, why when I look around at a Bantam AAA hockey team in a city like Toronto, that's 50% white. Is this team 90, 90% white? Like what, like what is the disconnect here? Why, like, how do we fix this? I think those are the questions that people aren't really asking. And until they do, there's not really going to be a solution that comes out in a real meaningful way, I guess. Right. Um, Are there, is there a particular thing or a couple of things that you think that the NBA does really well in that department that could be transferred into the NHL? In terms of helping lower levels? Yeah, in terms of grow, like growing the game in terms of even fi- financially or when it comes to uh, race. Um, financially, the first thing that jumps out is the NBA owns the WNBA. Like the only reason the WNBA still exists is because the NBA has effectively said the, NBA, the WNBA is going to exist. Because when you look at the financial situations of a majority of the teams in the early to mid 2000s, it was bad. Like, like that, that league should have folded, but it didn't because David Stern was like, we're not letting this fold. And now we're seeing the WNBA really grow. And it's really, I think they had one of the better bubbles. Like the growth of that sport is really, it's a cool thing to see, but that's because the NBA has essentially said, this is going to work. And this is a worthwhile investment. Like, Where's the NHL with working with the NWHL? Like, it shouldn't be up to the Leafs or the Flames used to have a partnership with the CWHL team in Calgary. Like, it shouldn't be up to the individual teams to reach out to their local teams. Like, why is Gary Batman not working with the NWHL? And the P- like, let's be honest here. It's ridiculous that the NWHL and the PWHA aren't working together. Mm-hmm. Like, how, like, how has no one gotten them in the room together with the NHL's money and said, let's figure this out. <laughs> like that's like, that's something the NHL could do if they really wanted to, but they're not going to, because they don't want to do that right. because they don't want to make the investment. Cause David Stern essentially said, we're going to lose money on this. I don't care. And Gary Bettman's not going to do that. And so like, that's one thing in terms of racially, like, I mean, if you want to get a higher amount of people playing at the highest levels you have to invest in the grassroots like you have to make it easier to play like you have to make it cheaper you have to find ways like it's not about equality in that sense it's about equity like how can we raise up these certain people who haven't been able to play hockey so like a good example is hockey's participation rate is horrendous with new canadians like new canadians it doesn't really resonate that's 
the biggest sports with new Canadians is uh, soccer and basketball and uh, tennis and swimming. I think there's, there's like quite a few ahead of hockey. So the NHL, if they really wanted to, they need to go look at that and be like, why does our sport not resonate with newer Canadians? But in terms of like something that could actually be fixed today in terms like culturally, racially, like the NBA, there's like, we're not accepting racial issues. Like there's no, like, there's no Akeem Alou story in the NBA. And maybe that's because the NHL is mostly white and I'm sure that's part of it, but you're not hearing the story of the white coach calling a black player in the NBA, the N word. It's just not like, it's just not going to happen. And if it did, it wouldn't be tolerated. And those are the little things like I've, like I've heard growing up, like I said in the story, basically every racial slur on the ice just get thrown around and they say they care, but it's like, do they like, really? Cause I still hear them. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you hear a coach uses it on a player. Like, of course they did. Cause it's culturally accepted. So if you want to look at a way that they can tangibly improve, it's by not accepting these things and not being okay with the idea that, Hey, this guy can't say this, this guy can't say this. We need to find a way. And honestly that starts like it sucks because the only real way you fix that is by instilling it as kids. Cause once you're an adult and you say something like when you've had it instilled in your head for 25 years that it's okay to call a guy this on the ice. It's okay to call a guy this on the ice. It's okay to call your teammate this. It's okay to treat this person like this. Then like, it's kind of over. Like, <laughs> like we can improve and we can try and do better. But the reality is, is like once the foundation is set, the foundation is kind of set. And Hockey Canada has definitely tried to improve, but like until there's real tangible actions towards people for doing things, like when, when was the, have you ever heard of the news story of the kid who got suspended for using the racial slur? Like think about how we cover the news today. Like our news media is obviously leans to the left and loves to cover stories of racial issues and racial tensions. Like, why is it like there hasn't been the story of the kid who got suspended, the coach who got suspended, because it doesn't happen, even though those things are thrown around. Like, that's a thing that could be easily done. But like, for whatever reason, we're not ready to force people to get uncomfortable. And until they are, then like things aren't going to really improve that much. I mean, we're still talking about Tony D'Angelo and it's been how many years, you know, like it's still it's still a, it's still a discussion. Um, you You brought something up about the popularity of, of basketball, um, especially in Canada. But I want to focus quickly on Toronto for a second. You, those years where you, I guess Toronto was kind of the Raptors specifically were building up to that championship run. I, for me, I felt I knew a lot more basketball fans than I did hockey fans. And whether that's because for, for whatever reason, like, is it because the Raptors were doing well? And let's be honest, the Leafs were pretty much in the gutter for a great chunk of that time. Or was it because of a lot of, um, of what the NBA and even, I guess, what the Raptors were doing in the city? And do you think 
it's a growing trend that we're going to continue to see that uh, basketball is just going to keep inching closer towards um, hockey in terms of popularity. Um, uh, I don't think it'll ever pass hockey. I think there's just too much, there's just too much foundation laid. I think like the reality is, is as, as much as we could want basketball to pass hockey, there's just hockey's been around for too long, but in terms of the difference in the fan bases, I mean, I worked up until the pandemic. So for all of second year at a sport check, Maple Leaf square, which is the one literally right next to the arena. And so you get a really good sense of who goes to what games. And there's no doubt that when the people who go to leaf games, it was a heck of a lot whiter than the people who go to Raptor games. And I think that's a big part of it is just the rate, the racial connection with um, the racial connection with basketball is just a lot different than hockey. Just cause like we talked about, like what big part of what you like is if you see yourself in that sport or you see yourself in that thing. And if you're growing up as a non-white kid in Toronto and you see Kyle Lowry do something and you can go play basketball with your buddies on the playground, it's probably going to resonate with you a little bit more than if Austin Matthews does something just because it's harder to go play hockey. And I think that's something that hockey's going to struggle with because that's one of the advantages basketball and the soccer has is just get a ball on my buddies and I can go try and do the layup Kyrie Irving did. I can go try and do the skill move Neymar did. Like, whereas like with hockey, like I need a stick. Okay, so you have your stick. You can do it on the driveway, but it's it's like it's not really the same. You know what I mean? So like you kind of need to go on the ice. And it's like okay, now I need skates. Like, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like wow, like this is kind of expensive all of a sudden out of nowhere. And um, so I think that I think that'll be always part of the issue, and I think that kind of makes sense. And the other thing is too, basketball has a way younger fan base than hockey which is partially probably why it felt like you knew more basketball fans, just because basketball has done a great job of resonating with young people. It's a social media sport. It's why there's so many tweets during every NBA game, but the ratings aren't what you would think they would be because people love to tweet and talk about basketball and talk about whoever and share their highlights, but they don't necessarily watch it as much as you think they would. Like the NHL ratings kill the Raptor ratings, unless it's like the NBA finals, but most people don't talk about that. Like the leaf ratings here are crazy, but that's partially because the fan base is older and they watch more like, like a 40 year old dude is more likely to actually watch TV than the 20 year old Raptors fan is. But I think I like hockey's basketball is never going to pass hockey. Like, like as, as cool as the Leafs, as cool as the Raptors uh, parade was, like I was talking to my buddy who's a diehard Leaf fan who's from Calgary. And he's like, yeah, like parade was cool. But like, let's be honest here. Like if the Leafs ever do actually win, then like the city's going to shut down. Like, like, like it just is like, yeah. like you can talk about how cool that Raptors parade was. And I was there, like I was at, I was at a uh, city hall. Like it was a cool experience. It kind of sucked. I wouldn't really do a parade again, but it was cool <laughs> to be there. But if the, if the Leafs did win, like, like 
I don't like, I don't even know what the city would do. Like, <laughs> like, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think that, I think the thing that the Raptors have done that's really great in Toronto is they've kind of understood who they are. Like they're not trying to appeal to a 50 year old white guy who's been a Leaf fan for 45 years. Like they like, they're, like they're not trying to appeal to the guy who had season tickets at Maple Leaf Gardens. Like, like, like that's over. Yeah. But that guy's kid who is on social media all the time and can see a cool dunk and we have cool personalities and we're always good. That's the other thing. Like if they're always good and people like when you're good and it's cool when your city is in the playoffs every year, now that the Leafs are actually good again, I think that's why you're seeing more like – my Twitter feed didn't used to have a ton of Leaf fans. And now ever since Austin Matthews rolled up, that was my first year at Brock. I went to Brock for a year. Um, all of a sudden Leaf fans are everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, cause you guys are good. Cause you guys are good again. Yeah. Like I like that's part of it too. I think that's probably part of why you felt the Raptor fans being around more is just cause a, they appeal to a younger audience better be with the demographics of Toronto they appeal to the racially the minority groups better so there's that and then C they were just better but now the Leafs are really good all of a sudden Twitter blows up every time the Leafs play like every Leaf game is fully analyzed no matter what like when they were terrible like the year that like the year you guys like were legitimately bad and got the first overall pick. No one talked about Leaf games. Like it was just like no. it was just like we got Mike, Mike Babcock. See you guys in. <laughs> like, see you guys at the lobby. Like, yeah. like that was pretty, that was pretty much it. Yeah. We got, oh, and uh, let's watch the World Juniors because Marner's playing <laughs> really, and he's really good. Mar- Marner's way better than we thought he would be, and like that was it. But now all of a sudden, that you guys are good again. Like. And the Raptors aren't that good this year. There's way more rap. There's way more leaf tweets. Like it's just kind of how it goes. Right. So I think that's part of it too. I guess uh, okay. two things. Well, like number one, I yeah, I also went to the parade. I will never want to stand that long ever again in my life. <laughs> by the way, um, I guess like second is what you've talked about right now with the NHL and just how it just has like that legacy fan base. Um, We've talked about in the summer as well that the whole thing going on with Black Lives Matter and everything um, in terms of like racial tensions, both in Canada and the U.S. um, I guess for you, there's the Hockey Diversity Alliance, but why is there the inability that like in your opinion that the NHL doesn't want to work with them? Uh, Probably because it makes them uncomfortable and they don't like being uncomfortable. Like, I don't know. I I can't stand Gary Bettman, so I will. I love that he put himself in the Hall of Fame. I don't believe anyone actually voted. For him. There's no way. There's no way anyone voted for that guy. That that, that was something they were they were. We didn't know what. No. Man, I I'm you're cutting in and out very yeah. a lot. No, we hold on. Okay. Is this any better? I mean, Sorry. it doesn't sound like your we mic's plugged you, in, yeah. but go ahead. Yeah, well, because it was cutting out. So oh, I'm okay, saying, okay, anyway, okay. I remember a tweet during when we didn't know what was happening with the MLB, and somebody had put like Manford 
ranking the commissioners at like 2000 and everyone else Goodell and that were like one, two, three, four. And then Will just quote tweeted putting Batman like 2,226. He just dragged him down. So I appreciate Will Barry and Gary. There. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm for it. I, I can't stand that guy. I, like, I, I would challenge anyone to tell me a single reason the NHL is in a better position because of what he's done. I cannot find like there's teams in or markets that shouldn't exist. Like why, like why is Arizona still there? Like, let it go. Ask that they, question. Uh, Every other. Why, why, why are they still there? Like, like jerseys. You lost. Like, it's okay. You're allowed to admit it. It didn't work. It's cool. That's you his try. thing. He never wants to admit he he's failed. That that's the that's the worst thing he could do, and he does it every single time. Like, there is no reason that Seattle should be an expansion team. Like, it's. Really? Like, why like just move Arizona? Why like why is there like why does Arizona still there? Like why? What <laughs> what is what is the advantage? Like and then like why does Quebec City not have a team yet? Because well, he doesn't like Quebec true. City. Oh man. He Don't doesn't like Quebec. Yeah. You're well, absolutely right. He just doesn't like Quebec City. He doesn't That's like Canada. He doesn't like Canada. He, oh, he has no, no. he has well the the dirty thing that most people don't know is the flames almost left Calgary in the nineties. Like it was really close. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because the Canadian economy was an absolute nightmare in the mid '90s, and that's why that's why Winnipeg left, that's why Quebec City left, and Calgary was really close. Apparently, I don't know, like it was negative three years old or two years old when this happened. Like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why, but apparently it was very close, and they managed to keep the team. But yeah, he basically almost ransacked the entire Canadian population. And only gave us Ottawa. Like, cool. Thanks for thanks for Ottawa. Ottawa should have had a team the whole time anyway. <laughs> and with an arena and like not in the middle of nowhere. I that might be helpful. That might be helpful. That's the that is the only argument I will hear for Arizona and 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 uh and Florida. Because the I've been I, we did we went to two hockey tournaments in Phoenix, and that arena is like Glendale is nowhere. No. <laughs> like, like Glendale, having your arena in Glendale would be the equivalent of if like the Leafs arena was in like the ed- edge of Vaughn. <laughs> like it's it's nowhere. You're yeah. like like why like why why is this here? And it's the only reason it's there is because it's right next to the uh, football stadium. Meanwhile, the Suns and the Diamondbacks play right downtown. You're like what? like why like find a way to get the NHL team where the, where the Suns play, like make it work. But that's, that's the only argument I would hear, but otherwise like, why, like get rid of that team. That team shouldn't exist anymore. Florida. It's over. <laughs> it didn't work. Florida doesn't need two teams. Like no. Tampa, Tampa works. No one really knows why Tampa works. It just does. It makes no sense to be quite honest. If you were to bet like, but like the thing is sunrise nowhere near Miami who okayed that. What, who, <laughs> like, like, why would you expand a team to Miami and be like, yeah, it's okay. They don't have to play where the Heat play. <laughs> like, what, why? I, I had no idea until I was like 12 that they were in Miami because they're always like sunrise. And it's like, no, that's actually part of Miami. Like, it's just an hour, it's just an hour from downtown. Like, wow, I wonder why they don't draw anybody because they're in the middle of nowhere. 
Well, you asked the questions we've been asking ourselves for a long time here in NHL fans to say, listen, uh, sorry, I, go ahead. I want to know who voted for Gary Bettman. I want to know. I want to, I want, I want us, I want the list released. Oh, definitely Brian Burke. Like we could just journalism. give him a check mark. Yeah, we already, yeah, we him. already know. I want the list released. <laughs> I want people to explain <laughs> why. The Panama papers all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Like, is, is it because he's the commissioner? Like, is that all it takes? Like, do you just have to be the commissioner and you're guaranteed to go to the Hall of Fame? Like, what Like, wait, what do you have to do? I, why is the, like, how is the NHL better? The only good part of the NHL is there's been a lockout in 10 years. And we almost had one this year. We got dangerously close. But when's the CBA run out? I bet there's... I bet six there's, years, six years. Yeah, it just got extended, like, last season. But there was talks about reopening it, and everyone was like, no. Don't do that. that that's, I'll never understand why the NHL cannot figure out their CBA. All the other leagues are like, yeah, we're cool. Yeah. Them and baseball, they're just like, they hate each other. It doesn't make any they sense. Just keep kicking the can down the road. It's, it sucks. Um, listen, Will, you've been very generous with your time. I think we wanted you for 30 minutes, and you're nearly 50, so sorry about that, man. Um, you know, I say it on Twitter all the time, but I want to say it here to your face. You are great. Um, I can all but guarantee that you're going to be big in this industry one day, and I'm going to brag one day I went to school with him. Um, <laughs> nice guy, really funny guy, hardworking guy. We'll link to all your stuff for the eye opener, airball, your globe stuff. Am I missing anything else? I think that's all right now. I appreciate all right that. Now. That's no not- worries, man. Just uh-huh. that. I'll have to come on and another time and talk about Kippersoft because we didn't talk about Kippersoft <laughs> at all. And uh, Man, I, I wanted to ask you some stuff about Carey Price, but I really wanted to focus on your article. But definitely, we were going to ask yeah. if you wanted to come back on because we really want to have you back. Oh, I'll definitely come on and talk about goalies. That's that was that's the my like, I mean that's all I did for where I started playing goalie was 2007. Mm-hmm. But I want—I knew I wanted to be goalie in 2004. So basically, from 2004 to uh, last year was 2015, but I was goalie coach until 2018. So 14 years, basically, of just watching those guys, mm-hmm. and it's fun watching now. Like, it's really fun just jumping in because I don't watch—I don't watch a lot. Like, I'll just jump in when it's on. And I, I just need to come back on so you guys can explain to me how Miko Koskinen is in the NHL. Because oh, I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> don't even get me started. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. I watch every Oilers Flames game. And every time I watch, I don't get it. So I, I'm just going to have to come on and just sit here and listen to you guys for <laughs> half an hour explain to me how, because I don't get it. Let me tell you about Peter Shirelli. <laughs> um, but definitely, we'll, we'll definitely have you on, Will. Um, it's nice. We got to take a break from Mike because somehow he always sneaks his way on the show. <laughs> we got to get more of you on this for sure. Um, we'll be right back in a second. We're going we're gonna to talk about the Leafs and the Habs and all that. We're going to talk about the Canucks. They finally won again. And we'll talk about Ryan Dezingle in a second. All right, guys, we are back. A great interview with Will. That was a really, really fun time. We are planning on having him back, and we're going to talk about goalies, and it's going to be great. We're going to talk about Carey Price and Carter Hart. We're going to cry about the passing. of the- It's going to be great. Um, you forgot Jose Theodore. No. Yeah, I know I did. Doesn't count. Um, how, about, how about Leafs legends Jean-Sebastien Giguere? 
Of course. Yeah, of he course. was Leaf. Yes. Okay. My reaction when I see We'll have Will on again soon. <laughs> you know why? You know why we're gonna have Will on soon? Why? Again? Because he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy. Great guy. He really is a great guy. Yeah. It was nice to see him again. The um, claw. Yeah, the claw. <laughs> Is how Kawhi laughs, I think. All right, guys. Hockey. I'll tell you what. That is. Screw it. Let's open with the Leafs and the Habs. All right. Since we last recorded, the Canadians and the Leafs had two games um, between them. Montreal, the game against, uh, against Edmonton. We're not even going to bother with that. No one cares about Edmonton. Sorry, Leon Dry. Mm-hmm. Two annoying games, from my view. Um, oh, so, from my view, oh, too. Yeah, two very yeah. frustrating games from both sides uh, that go Leafs won the first game, Montreal won the second game. So let's start with this, Alex. What happened? Uh, Montreal was the better team in both of them. I do not agree with that. No? But no. I thought they were I... crap up until the second, like, end of the second yesterday. I don't think they deserve to win either of those games, but Carey Price is like, hey, that. That's that's so like I didn't think the Leafs should have won won the first one. Really? Um, yeah, I wasn't that impressed. Like I think they got lucky. I mean, not lucky, but I know like Montreal. I think both games had the energy and the jump. Here, I think they just I, didn't yeah. execute every time. I think you're right. I think the Leafs took off like. That last game against Vancouver, and I think we had an episode before they actually played Montreal, and I said they have to make sure they don't let their foot off the gas because especially a team like Montreal, even though they're in a, a rough patch, who you never know when a team is going to get out of a rough patch. Mm-hmm. You, you can't predict these things, especially in hockey. So you can't walk in there with your foot off the gas. And I, and I felt that's kind of like they had a – okay start and it felt like the foot with the gas the my god they were laying their foot off the gas and then the third period came they scored those two goals and that's kind of how it went like I, it wasn't an impressive game from my standpoint for the Leafs c- considering how they've played for most of the season and even in that second game like I think Montreal like I think Toronto was all over Montreal in the first period but yeah. the second and third I just felt like they were just kind of and maybe this is good practice. I just felt like they were trying to defend the lead and they weren't trying, they weren't being the Leafs that we, that I know they can be. And, you know, that happened last season that happened under Babcock multiple times where they tried to hold the lead and focus on that defensive game, mm-hmm. but it can, it ba- it ends can end up backfiring on you like it did uh, last night, mm-hmm. Daniel. What there's happened there's definitely life? that trend that these one goal games that I was seeing on Twitter. You know, these this this I guess luck or this ability to kind of just defend those one goal leads, especially in the third period. Like that can't go on forever. And we just saw that last night where Toronto just kind of I guess not really came out flat in the third, but it's just that what I've said like what Montreal kind of had with those four lines. There wasn't that jump with Toronto. They weren't trying to you know, increase the lead. They weren't really, I guess, buzzing in a way that you wanted them to be, especially how we've talked about of how deep the Leafs forwards are, especially at that the top where I wanted to see more from uh, John Tavares. I wanted to see more from Austin Matthews. 
I think that's fair. Like, I think it was, it was the first game very much. Um, by the way, last night's game is how I actually thought Wednesday was going to go. Like a very physical Montreal team, a much tighter game is what we had. But you know, on Wednesday, I thought like Montreal couldn't make a pass. And do you know what? I thought it was the depth guys for Toronto that really made the difference. And I hate calling this guy a depth player. Um, but I thought Justin Hall was the best player on both ends of the ice in that Wednesday game. And, you know, and, I, and I, I'll shut up about Ilya Mikheyev, by the way. you got to love me so he's got to score. Go. And then he did, the cheeky Boston. Got to start you going. Know, like Travis Dermott sniping one on Carey Price. What's this about? I was really impressed by the Leafs' Travis depth Dermott guy. Really yeah. Like uh, it may, yeah, I think I think you put it perfectly. Like I think the Leafs won Wednesday's game a, a lot on the depth and a lot on I think Freddie, even though he let in the first goal of the game. That's and and I think that's it. And if there there's three guys that I I, I want to point out over these last two games. Number one is Justin Hall. I think you're absolutely absolutely right. Like he's looked like he fits perfectly on that top four, next next to Jake Muzzin. And and the thing we talk about Jake, we talk a lot about Jake Muzzin, and he's able to elevate his partner. And he did it with Zaitsev, right? Like that's the big example. Zaitsev next to anyone else was horrendous to watch, but for some reason next to next to Muzzin, he was okay. And I think even like I I haven't been uh impressed necessarily with Muzzin the last couple of games, but Justin Hall has still had that high level he's had over the last, like the, the rest of the season, the other guys, Freddie, who's I think performed much better than the start of the season. And that's just yeah. a continuation of my praise of a while. And Austin Matthews, I, and I want to point out Austin Matthews because he looks like, he looks like a different player. I don't know if we've talked about this much on the podcast. He that the um the Toronto goal last night, how he just sort of took Phil Deneau's lunch money. I was like, oh. Like um, quickly on Muzzin and Muzzin. Um, what's interesting is there were two like there was very much a mirror with him and Joss Anderson. I found really really funny in both these games. Going to Wednesday, it was Joss Anderson with his physical play, sort of had that hit on Muzzin that actually took him out the play, and he managed to score that that goal for Montreal, right? Yeah. But you know, Muzzin gets the last lap because Toronto win. Then you go to last night's game, and you know, there's that clip in the third. I think Anderson had six hits. Tries to go for number seven. Tries to take out Jake Muzzin. Muzzin sidesteps him. Laughs at him. But at the end of the day, you know, Muzzin didn't have a stick in the right position, and Gallagher was able to get the game winning. Yeah. So it, it was. I found it was really, really funny to see Muzzin and Anderson going back and forth. I really, I've never said this on the show, but I, if there's a fight, I'd like to see. It's that. That would be heavyweight. I would love to see that. Big very, company. very much. Like there was, like I think we walked into the season, we saw Ben Sherrod and Wayne Simmons, and it's like, wow, that that's a heavyweight fight. Like you don't, especially in Toronto. Like think about it. we all we've seen is like Jason Spezza versus I don't even remember who. I it might have been Dean Kukin who we talked about last episode, but it it might like we don't we haven't seen a fight. There was Ron Hainsey that one time, mm-hmm. right? So to see. Simmons versus Sherratt, that was already a heavyweight fight. But I think Muzzin and Anderson, you're right, would be like, that's just out of this world for Lee fans. Alex? Yes. 
I think you're missing Colton Orn, Fraser McLaren right now. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I don't want and them on Corbinian my fourth Holzer. line. I okay, maybe a little bit Corbinian Holzer, <laughs> but not on my fourth line. Coached by Randy. Randy, good one, Randy. You know what? I, I have I have to question what the hell Montreal are doing on Wednesday because I told you guys in the in our group chat, but I was walking around, of course, and there's a Starbucks across the street from the Bell Center, and just sitting at a corner with a mask on, very well, with his girlfriend. There's a guy in a suit, like an hour and a half before the game, and it's freaking Tyler Toffoli and Jake Evans. I'm like, and they're they're up, they're laughing, they're having a good time, and I'm thinking, guys, you better win tonight. I wanted to shout, pretend like you're you're playing against Vancouver. Took Toffoli another game to get that goal, but I just what are the lads doing? Um, someone on Montreal, it was there was very a lot made. Whenever Montreal are on a bad spill, the first guy, if you notice, who always gets the criticism is Carey Price. Face of the franchise, damn it. And do you know what? He came in last night, and he was the number one reason Montreal won the Saturday night game. He held the fort. Isn't that the thing with any team, though? Like, And I maybe with Montreal, it's, it's a little bit higher considering his contract, I guess. But I feel like even in Toronto, it's always the goaltender that gets blamed first, no matter what. Like, Freddie's always the scapegoat. It was always Reimer. It was always Bernier. It was always who, whoever was in net. I mean, you, you go to most teams, we're always talking about the goalie, this, the goalie. That. You're right, though. But he did absolutely perform <sighs> spectacular. I think every superstar always has a target on his back, like Carey Price, that you're going to have something like that. Um, I think it's just two different narratives because – and, you know, if I'm going to go look back on it, things I think with Frederick Anderson, like I just there's the consistency of it that he is an all star level goalie. It's just when I look back, you know, with the exceptions of, you know, Reimer or Jiguer, <laughs> even in his later years, like we'll have the Andrew Raycroft, we'll have the uh, oh, Jonas Gustafson, the, the Betts Grivens. But I'm saying with like Montreal, I think it just well, before Carey, there was the Christabel Huey and the Jose Theodore, but. I think it was just with carry at like that level. It's just, it's always going to be like that every night. Going to see, I, mean, I think it's more of a narrative this season because of what he was able to do last season. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing of, okay, is he really back to what we had in, you know, 2015, 2014, or is it just like a one-off thing? But I don't think it is a one-off thing. One mistake I felt like because because obviously a story from that first sort of rough spa- like rough spatch Montreal just had is guys are going very much on Carey Price's blocker and it felt like last night they were going a bit too heavy going high on him and he's like guys like I can I can see what you're doing like you know. are we are we forgetting like this man has been playing goaltending for how long and right. started it. I feel yeah. like he can eventually pick up where you're going. The CPU is adjusting to your your style of play. Yeah, it's just, and you know what though? I think definitely um, uh, Montreal are now on their bye week. Obviously, they don't play again until next Saturday when they play. Oh, the Toronto Maple Leafs again! It's good to see you guys. Yeah. Um, it was a very much a a, a I don't want to say desperate, but at the same time, I kind of want to do. It was a win that Montreal had to have yesterday. Because, of course, they had just lost their three of their last four games. The retro reverse jerseys, cursed, by the way. We should not be wearing them. Um, but very much a win that now there's a bit less stress on Montreal going into their bye week. And 
leading the way last night on forward was stop me if you've heard this before it was brandon gallagher i'm i'm thankful for this guy to be on my hockey team i'm not gonna lie to you guys yeah why not yeah he's like i guess that embodiment of a player that you know he just sticks with it like if i'm like saying that you know i i think he's an amazing player but He's just one of those guys that, you know, he has the character of being in the room where, you know, I, I think like a lot of people before have compared him to like a Brad Marchand type of player. And I don't think in terms of like the dirtiness of it, like I, I respect Brendan Gallagher. Like I respect Brad Marchand's skill, but not the other stuff. But like with Brendan Gallagher, he's the kind of guy where he could play that role, but he doesn't take it too far. Mm-hmm. Brendan Gallagher is a guy you hate to play against but love to have on your team and i think those type of players there's not a lot of them there's not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's i it's tom wilson brad marchand i guess kadri's you can throw kadri in there uh, as well prime cory perry prime cory perry not a whole lot God. like it's very limited Corey Perry purposely knocked the net off last night, like Montreal's, and I just saw it, and I was like, "God damn it! I love having you on this team now. Like it was so, it wasn't gonna work. Like, dude, what are you doing? Um, okay, yeah, we'll we'll talk about roster stuff in a sec. Sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, I, I, no, no, just go ahead. I'll I'll bring it up later. Mm-hmm. Um, there's roster decisions coming on both sides of the patch here. Um, there's more to talk about the Leafs, so I'll get this out the way for Montreal. Now, earlier today, Paul Byron was placed on waivers. Um, if there's a team that's going to claim, by the way, I'm predicting Ottawa, hometown guy in Canada. They have the cast space, and they've. I, I don't think he's going to get moved. But if somebody is asking, by the way, why he's putting put on waivers, it is the simple fact of Montreal don't play for another week, and him on the taxi squad is basically building up cap space. If anyone is, if you're going to ask me how that works, I'm not going to, I don't know how to explain it to you, but if you want to know what it is, it's basically the stuff the Leafs have been doing for the past three years. You know who, right. You know who could use a winger? No. The Edmonton Oilers. I would be. I'm just saying all I'm suddenly on the first line, Paul Byron. They just waved James Neal. So I'm, I'm just putting that out there. You're right. They wave name James Neal for whatever reason, as if someone's possibly going to claim him. So Calgary won the trade. Sure. I, <laughs> like, there. That's not a winnable trade. I'm sorry. Like, there's no win. There's. It's a lose lose trade. Both sides which, lost. Which team's turd smells worse? Right. Like, is it dog crap or is it horse crap? We're gonna have to wait for that third round pick that. Uh... Calgary got. Sure. Did they? That was become. that the condition of the goal differential between them? It was, and then um, that actually went to uh, negotiations because it was cut short. That yes, like James Neal would have hit the he he would have hit the uh, the bar if they kept going, but they decided like he was gonna hit it anyway. So yeah, give them the pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's um, this year's pick, this coming pick. Yeah. Um, looking at the Toronto side of things, Joe Thornton himself confirmed that he is playing tomorrow against the Ottawa Senators. You'll have to see um, that coming. And Power that move. means what? Power move by Joe. That, that is the, I'm Gordon, back. the, the Gordon Ball. <laughs> and we're back. Power move. And we're back. Um, <laughs> so with 
Joe Thornton returning, lads. You know what that means. Roster decisions incoming, Alex, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think what's being talked about the most is obviously who's playing on that first line with Matthews and Marner, um, which is respectfully the big, should be the big story um, in the city because who the hell knows? Like, I mean, it should be Hyman in my opinion. They're probably going to go back to Thornton. I guess we'll find out, but Mm -hmm. I I think what's not really being talked about is that Pierre Engvall, thanks to cap friendly, by the way, for letting me know. Yes. Um, Pierre Engvall needs one more game, NHL game, before he is required to pass through waivers. So for him to go, like, I think what was happening a lot was, you know, obviously he was being sent to the taxi squad, save a little bit of cash, and, and along with other players as well. So that's not going to be able to happen anymore. So we're going to have to make a decision on Pierre Engvall soon. Is he in the lineup or is he going to just – is he going to be consistently a scratched player and come in during injuries or the odd back-to-back? What I think that's what's going to be a question because they just sent like, – Robertson just got taken off the IR. So now Robertson and Sandine both got sent down uh, to the AHL. Thankfully, Robertson mm-hmm. can play in the AHL because the OHL hasn't started yet. But So uh, it just it's tough because – what I've seen from um, from what's his name Sheldon Keefe is that he's willing to try all these guys, and sometimes it's worked, sometimes it's it doesn't. Like, who the hell would have guessed Travis Boyd would have looked semi decent on the fourth line? Like, I didn't think he was going to touch NHL ice this season. Same here. Like, I don't think many people did. So, the fact that he's willing to try. Try uh, keeps willing to try different things is going to play into a lot of decisions that Dubis is going to have to make. Like I'm not worried about Sandine and Robertson going to the AHL. I don't. I think people just automatically think that's where they're going to stay, and you know, Mark Marinson's going to stay on the is going to be your next guy. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Like I think if there's an injury or a couple injuries, Sandine's making the lineup before Marinson. Mm-hmm. And I, I like these depth options that Toronto has that what I yeah, what you said, I applaud Sheldon Key for giving these guys the opportunities to really kind of show what they got because the Leafs did sign a bunch of these guys to a lot of like minimum level um, contracts. But a big thing I think for me is maybe because I just have a soft spot for him, but you know, worst case scenario, if you know, Pierre Engvall is wave that, it's a big body guy that I, I kind of expected him to have it all, you know, figured out this year and become a permanent fixture on this lineup, even if it is the fourth line. So it's something that I really want to kind of focus on something that I, I think I'm going to follow along because he is that big body guy can play center. And when he kind of knows that he, he it's either that or the taxi squad or beyond waivers. Um, he really did come out. And I remember Steve Dangle tweeted about that, that, you know, Pierre was flying out there. He was. Like, the thing with Engvall is he... It's not that he doesn't have it. It's that he needs to be consistent. And, like, he has that body. He has the big big body. And it was the thing with a lot of players, uh, multiple players on this team, number one, including the, the guy on number one on the list, being Austin Matthews, who's fixed that. Like, he's... 
I've seen Austin Matthews use his body more this season than I have in the past four years he's been with this team. And mm-hmm. considering Engvall's on the in the bottom six, if he can use his body more, that changes the game for his spot in the lineup. Mm-hmm. It's just another tool if he's that Swiss Army knife type player. Right? Exactly. Um, Pierre may be going, but is he pushing? Is the real question. <laughs> <laughs> Drive to survive yeah. season three. Where are you now? Oh. Anything you guys want to add on now to the Leafs, to the Habs? Um, we won't yeah. talk about next Saturday net. We'll, we'll preview that this Wednesday. Yeah. The one thing I want to bring up and I saw, I follow a couple people on uh, Twitter for Habs hab stuff and yes. it was funny seeing like other than you i mean like obviously <laughs> i i it was funny seeing someone else for once imploding while the leafs weren't the fan base i mean like it was like oh like this happens to other teams yeah and i i mean like in the nicest Refreshing. way possible no when i saw it i'm like people calm the hell down because I know it happens every single time here. And it's like one of the most frustrating things to, to watch. Yes. Every every time someone makes a mistake, it's Dubas is fired, Keith is fired. I'm like, okay, this happens to other teams. I don't feel bad anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the one thing I'd like to add is I think, again, like it's a slight bias here because I got to watch him a lot in the Marlies, but I love Pierre Engvall. I like the game he brings. And I know it's different circumstances this season, but Frederick Gauthier had more opportunities than Pierre Engvall to kind of show it. That is true. Freddie the goat, the goat, the goat. Hope Talk he's well, goats. by the way. Sorry? Hope Freddie the goat is well. He's well in Arizona? Is he still in Arizona? Yeah, they signed him. They signed okay. him. All right, um, talk about goats. This man might be the, there is an argument he is the goat of GMs. He is one of three general managers who have 1,300 regular season wins, joining Poyle and Glenn Sather. That is Lou Lamorello. Congratulations, the Islanders. I, I, hate, I hate myself every year for saying, nah, they're not it. And then they just keep proving me wrong. Stability. Yeah. Did you do it again this year? Because I think I did. I, I don't pay enough attention to the Islanders to even have said, yeah, they're going to do it. No, I think I just looked at that division. I'm like, yeah, it's fun there. And it's funny. We the just like looked at the cap space, and then we rolled with it and said that they're not going to be able to do anything. And then they did everything that we yeah. said they couldn't do. Kind of like Bert the Bruins. Yeah. <sighs> but um, for sure, like, congrats to Lou Amarello. He's been someone that I've been following a lot, too especially during those early 2000s with the Devils, that he's been able to kind of kind of cultivate something where a lot of people talk about the cup wins and, you know, those dynasty guys he had, like Scott Stevens, um, Brian Rafalski, like Scott Niedermeyer. But, like, I think a big thing people don't really kind of focus on, which is something that always surprised me, was that transition away from the early 2000s into a more consistent team a lot later on for the, for New Jersey. And... The examples I have is these guys that were not drafted that became like vital parts or these guys were not ten, top 10 picks and he kept being able to add them. Like I think a lot of people forget when Zach Parise was putting up 90 points a season, you know, he went 17th in the draft or guys like Rafalski or when David Clarkson hit 30 goals, he was, they were both undrafted players and he managed to kind of 
get around things. I remember in an interview, the one thing that was, I guess, went against his own management style was getting Ilya Kovalchuk because he was pressured by the owners to get a Russian superstar to increase the revenue at the Prudential Center. So I think that just the one thing that um, I look back, I not really look back on, but like I guess it's just one thing out of his style of things. But overall, he's been able to kind of really go with you know his own brand of hockey in in a sense of finding these guys and plugging them into like important roles you missed a very important scott by the way you forgot scott gomez just pointing it out there okay okay um (laughs) not the haps scott gomez i'm gonna just focus on the new jersey devils scott gomez where (laughs) he was a great center he went late in the draft to i think 2023rd overall i believe or was that 27th? Um, I just remember he played out of Alaska. So, you know, there again, Lou Amarillo finds him. We don't need to give Gomez too much attention. Yes, but no, New man. Jersey Devil Scott Gomez. He was actually the first native Alaskan to play in the NHL. Oh. So. Isn't Nate Thompson Alaskan too? Anyway, Lou Amarillo, what an accomplishment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a huge accomplishment to be, what, that's top three, right? Yeah. yeah. I always find so, it weird that, Brendan Shanahan, who Lou Lamorello drafted, was his boss. Yeah. In Toronto. No, but he he's definitely a um he's man, like he's great. He's a great general manager. And like I don't necessarily agree with every single one of his moves, but I mean I must have worked. I remember um, he he compared his team to a family. I remember when he had that and when I was like looking back before this episode, I always forget he was a high school teacher first. And then really? he got into like college hockey and then he just worked his way up. And then that's when people wow. even like doubted him when he took over coaching in New Jersey because he's never had coaching experience and they were, they were not bad. Just stare at them. Uh, it, I'm going to trade you. <laughs> you play better. Imagine Lou Lamorello was, uh, was your high school teacher. Oh, wow. I feel like I, that's the guy who calls you to the like calls the principal's office when you skip his class. He just sounds like the worst teacher. So we're gonna know. trade you to the next school because you skipped class. Yeah. <laughs> um. Right then. Um. Next up, uh, shout out to Patrick Line. Scored again last night. Stood up for Jack Rosovic when he got knocked down. Had a fight. You gotta know he's just there in some brownie points and then with, with John Tortorella. He wouldn't do that in Winnipeg, would he? <laughs> Stirring controversy. He's a big man. I wouldn't want to get into a fight with Patrick. No. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been able to transform that identity too. Where you know, coming out of uh, out of um, Finland, everyone kind of just said, you know, let's just talk about his skill. But then he's able to transition it to about you know that physicality that it's kind of worked for him. I don't think, and I've seen it where people said Peter Forsberg, but I don't think it's at that level. Just yet, because Peter Forsberg played in an even more aggressive league, and he was a, like a true power forward. But that's a unicorn. I, don't yeah. don't compare anyone to Forsberg. Um, not even Philip. No, no, okay. Philip Forsberg can't throw a hit to save his life. <laughs> um, but yeah, with Patrick, I like that he's been able to transform the game. Um, there was a bit of that controversy with the benching, but I think he's taking it in stride. Um, I like that other players, including Josh Anderson, talked about it that. It just happens with John Tortorella. Like it happened with Brad Richards, Martin St. Louis, Vincent LeCavalier, these type of guys. If it happens to them, it's going to happen to anybody. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I think if he can keep this up, like it not not fighting every game. I mean, like playing, improving your two way game, and buying into Tortorella's system. Because even like look at Jack Roslovic. Like Jack Roslovic, I who the hell's knew this is how he could play. Like I don't think anyone when he was traded from Winnipeg. It was kind of kind of felt like he was just kind of th- of a throw in there because he there they it wasn't working out in 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 Winnipeg, and like if he can fi- figure this out, I think it will do wonders for him, and I think it'll do wonders for that team because that team lacks scoring. He can score, but that what that team is is built on a system that Tortorella has has built. And I think we've talked, we talked about it last episode, a couple episodes ago. They are a very close locker room. Yeah. And if you can get it, now if you can get in there, if you buy into that system and buy into that way of, of thinking, it can do wonders. I think, yeah, that's, that's something too, where it's all about the opportunities. When I look back on the last two playoff series for the Jets, or the last two playoff years, and when Mark Shifley got injured, you know, or, you know, you see Blake Wheeler taking a bit of a step back or, you know, Nick Ehlers, like, not in the lineup. You'll see names like Mason Appleton and Andrew Cobb in the top six. You won't yeah. see a Jack Roslevic there. And that was kind of some, like, not a telltale sign of, I know the culture in Winnipeg, but it's just kind of, you know, give the guy an opportunity. And I think he's really running with it in Columbus because he's not a old guy, but at the same time, you know, there was a reason why he went in the first round and is a natural center. Mm-hmm. Uh, next little bit here we have a trade to announce ladies and gentlemen the Ottawa Senators are bringing back Ryan Dezingle uh, coming from Carolina the Sens are sending Cedric Paquette and Alex Galchenyuk the other way by the way Alex Galchenyuk since 2017 this is his sixth team that, those really forget. added on because you forget um, he was like kind of a semi rental with the wild or you know a bit of a cap dump for the penguins it was more of a cap dump yeah more of a cap dump but <laughs> it's it's interesting because i think like he was on montreal for so long uh he had the opportunities there he had that 130 goal season and then yeah. just once he left the city it's just i i don't know what happened he's not a do, do you think do you think it was a case of it it worked in juniors but he didn't work his game so that it worked in the NHL. Cause I think that's an issue with many players that just, it worked in juniors, but it just didn't work in the NHL. Do you think that's the case with Galchenyuk? Do you think he was rushed Adam? Rushed? He was always good. It's just the, the, the knock on Galchenyuk has never been his offense and the skill and shot. It's all there. It's just, he's not good enough. And I think Alex has it right. of just translating because obviously in junior it's one-on-one games, right? The way you play defense in that when there's a system in the NHL and you know what, you have to be good in your own zone and Galchenyuk was never able to be that. Um, and is part of that developmental on Montreal and Michelle Terrien. Absolutely. Uh, at the same time, a lot of it as well is on Alex Galchenyuk. He just, now there were rumors about, you know, maybe him being distracted off the ice. I mean, it's just, he was never a centerman. He just, he just lost it. I don't know what it is. He just, did he ever at that, those key developmental years really 
you know, did he become that player he was always supposed to be? I don't know. Because again, it wasn't like everyone, it wasn't an off the board pick either. No. Like people had, like people were talking about him over Yakupov at one point. It's just, I think there was, I think everything that could have gone wrong with him went wrong, really. Um, I think that's the simple fact of Gouch, but I I didn't think we were going to go that deep into it. Um, You know, when I think of guys, people like Ottawa could bring back that are good for the room and the young guys, I think it's Ryan Dezingle. I mean, he, he had his best years in Ottawa, obviously. I think this is a damn fine addition. And I don't really feel like like Cedric Paquette and Alex Galchenyuk are that big a price to give up to get him back either. Oh, yeah. Like I don't I don't think that's much of a price at all to get exactly. back to get back Ryan Dezingle, who is knows that locker room in a sense, maybe not necessarily the, the players, but not even the coaching stuff, but he knows the organization, right? With the exception of like D, like the coaching stuff, he knows that organization. Like my worry with Ryan, I, I hope Ryan Dezingle does not try like turn into the next next Mark Boriecki in the way the organization handles him, because I think they it feels like they just didn't have that one guy in Ottawa to pick and say, okay, when Eugene wants to do a video, we're going to take this guy. And now it seems like they have that guy. And I, I hope they don't, don't do that to Ryan Dezingle because I think he can be a useful asset to that team. I think more in the locker room, especially even on the ice. Yeah. I agree that it's just another guy that, you know, when we think about, that era of everyone getting traded away of what was going on with Ottawa. He was a bit of a bright spot. He wanted to stay, but of course they were not going to meet a salary demands. And when he went to Columbus, it didn't really work out there, but I think it's great for Ottawa. They're going to get a guy that they're familiar with someone who can transition between the young guys and like the vets they have there. Just someone who's a bit of a stabilizing force. And for Carolina side, they save a lot of money from this. You know, they get two expiring contracts um, they get they, they get some movement here and there. Like I think with Carolina, we've always talked about their first line, but you know it gets kind of a bit thin as they get into the bottom six. Um, you know we're a Warren Warren Forgel fan, but we want to see more mm-hmm. uh, out of that. But it, it it is a deal that I think is going to work on both sides. Um, I I've talked about this last year, which is ironic that. Galchenyuk is going to find his way on things in Minnesota because of their lack of offense. They're just going to give him the minutes, but that's, I'm just going to just wish him the best in Carolina this time. <laughs> if he stays there. Yeah. <laughs> Literally after the trade, weren't there, there, there were rumors coming out that there's a chance that he might not stay in Carolina. Like the well, team might trade him again. Yeah, He was put on waivers today. Right. Right. Well, always so, a good sign. Yeah. Um, the, he's, only, no, he's 26 no, no, no. now, right? Uh, Gauchen, maybe. Because Morgan Riley's 26, right? It's 26, yeah. 27, yeah. maybe. Um, no, I was just going to say about Dezingle. Like, I think when he was in Ottawa, I think being in Ottawa, those were his best years. Like, those, especially those last two years. So, I think, I don't, just looking at the numbers, maybe wasn't the greatest time in in Carolina, like he was a 
almost a point per game in 1819. Like he had 44 points in 57 games. So like that is clearly when he's playing top six in Ottawa, something's right. Yeah. Hey, that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as having, you know, um, like, a, you know, Dezingle say what you want about maybe he was the guy who had to score there. And it's just because of the opportunity, you know what, man, that's a roster spot that's stopping a young guy who probably isn't ready from getting in there. There's a lot to like about um, Ryan Dezingle. Yeah. And again, a few 20 goal seasons there. Nothing mm. to complain about. Maybe he does well and you get like a fourth for him. I don't know. But, the Canucks, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Vancouver Canucks snap a six game losing streak. I don't care if you say that's winless, it's, it's losing NHL. Stop being difficult. <laughs> Sending 45 <laughs> shots Jacob Markstrom's way last night, doing everything he can. Um, the effort, though, was sort of expected when after Francesco Aquilini. The owner of the Vancouver Canucks had a little thread on Twitter. I'm going to read it to you guys here. This has been a unique year for everyone. Rosters changes. Sorry, roster changes. Very little training camp, no preseason, and just a few practice days. It takes time for new players to fit in and a new group, so new group's chemistry to take hold, both on and off the ice. Of course, I'm disappointed by our poor start, but the last thing we're going to do is panic. We've been better in recent games, and I believe we'll continue to improve. Our fans are passionate and knowledgeable. They have every right to express themselves, but when the media... Oh, the media, yeah, yeah. We'll always blame the media. But when the media... I like how you say it like that. Pouring gas on the fire, dealing in rumors and misinformation as if it's a fact. It's time for me to speak up. Contrary to what you may have heard, we're sticking to the path we're on. Building our core of young talent. Progression is not always a straight line. There is no easy fix, only patience, commitment, and hard work. Like Brock Besser, Leas Patterson, and Quentin Hughes. Hoglander is an, was an excellent pick. It looks like he'll be a part of our future. Our hockey group believes Colson will step into the lineup as well. And here's the big one. Tyler Madden, wait a minute. Oh, no. <laughs> I have full confidence in Jim Benning, Travis Green, and his group. I have no plans to make changes. And this was amid just a, a solid few days where everyone on Vancouver Radio or Rogers Vancouver Radio, thank you, Bell, you suck, um, just kept going on about how there could be a change coming and how Jim Benning might not even finish the year. It is just, they won last night, thankfully. It is still a complete mess in Vancouver. It doesn't change anything. I'm sorry. Like, all bad team, like, Ottawa has three wins. I'm not saying they're Ottawa, but, like, all teams get wins eventually. It's still, it doesn't change the fact that it's a mess. Like, oh my, first off, let's stop. Why are we blaming the media? Why is he going after the media? At the end, of, like before they actually started writing about that stuff, it were, it was literally the fans calling for their heads. This started because your fans asked for it. Hashtag fire betting has been trending for like two years, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. But- <laughs> I think. I don't know. It's because it's in the uh, weird sense that when they talk about the media and 
how it's kind of exacerbating things. I think it's just we're just reflecting on what the responses were. And I'm referring to us as media, yes. Um, and when I kind of think about it, it's it's the same narrative we spoke about in the off season when we said, you know, you're they're bleeding way too much in terms of the free agent departures, that you know, the money is mismanaged. And it's the same thing that we're seeing now that it's a depleted roster. Yeah, you have the young talent developing, but there's a lot of holes in this lineup. And it's not going to get any better this offseason when you still have to pay your young guys now. That mm-hmm. it's something where they talk about patience, but I think that it's just going to be another hurdle again. Like, go listen to our episode with Harmon Dial, the, the, the second one we did. I asked him, do you give Jim Benning any benefit of the doubt considering the cap situation he's in? No, be, no, no. His answer was no, because he put himself in this situation. Harmon recently has had a really, really good article about looking back over the past few years about the roster decisions and that. Like and he, how it got Vancouver in their current spot. Really, he, really good. Yeah. It's, it's all like at the end of the day, sure, it was a crappy situation. He put himself in this. There was no reason to go out and make all these, make half of these signings. I'm sorry. There was no reason. Like, mm-hmm. I was reading, and I might have been under one of um, Harmon's articles. I was reading the comments, and they were talking about something about a plan, a rebuilding plan, right? Because I think they went through some process. And the fans were, and some of these guys were like, there was, it felt like there was never a plan. We didn't know the direction this team was going in because it's like they were going, trying to grab 10, five different directions at once. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it feels like. I agree with it that. You know, you'll you'll get lucky in the draft uh, a few times. You know, you get Brock Besser pretty late in 2015. And then, you know, you get a few guys here and there. And then you get Elias Patterson, you get Quinn Hughes. But, you know, throughout that period, and Harmon has, did write on it, has been, all right, you got the young talent. For example, you got Jared McCann, but then you trade him and uh, and draft picks for Erica Branson. And then yes. you go out and you get Louis Erickson. That It's just these moves that are just... You know they're not necessarily like you're, you're you're selling your first round picks, but like if I use another example, it's like Nick Benino along with pick incentives to get Brandon Sutter from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. It's just these moves that they keep not yeah like what you said not really knowing what they are what they want to build because it's a kind of thing where it's like the blueprint keeps changing but you keep building. You know what they say about when you're building a project especially if you're building something in Minecraft, is you go to a creative world and you set a blueprint and you look at what you're going to build. You plan out stuff. You know what happens when you don't plan? You have a crappy Star Wars trilogy. You always have to have the foundation. All right? When when they build bridges, they don't just plop a bridge there. They have Mm -hmm. to make sure it's going to work. They don't change the director or the architect (laughs) in the middle, or the engineer, sorry, in the middle of it. Exactly. It just doesn't make sense. All right. Um, last thing that we'll, we'll we'll talk about today. Just can we can I just give um, an example of why this this is oh, not yeah, going to yeah, end yeah. well? Is this your Ottawa example? Yeah, like this is not going to end well. I'm sorry. Like he's probably going to get fired. Jim Benning. You mean. Yeah, Jim Benning, not Aquilini. He can't technically get fired. Um, unfortunately, what? But um, I don't know. Like. If you guys remember a couple of years ago 
when Pierre Dorian fired Guy Boucher. Yeah. Do you remember what happened a week earlier? I believe Pierre Dorian stated that he was their coach. He was their confidence. Well, I mean, like not not in action, but by word of mouth. Less than a week later, he fired Guy Boucher. That's not even the only example. Like, well, let's use a Montreal example. What did Mark Bergevin say before he traded PK Subban? He said we're not trading PK Subban. Right. So we're not trading Alex Galchenyuk. We're not trading you, Max Patrick. <laughs> How many GMs have said that about Alex Galchenyuk? <laughs> <laughs> I can't One. wait for Victor Mete to get traded. By the way, right? Who, like, by the way, was really good. But I forgot to mention it was really good. But yeah, Ottawa. Like, was this a very is good example. like this is just. Come on, why are you doing this to yourself? I, I have a a funny tidbit, but he the the, the, the premonition was wrong. But it's okay. just a good because it's a leaf story. Because I remember when they were kind of approaching the whole, um, you know, the shakeup in management that, you know, there's going to be a few years of pain of the rebuild. Do you remember that? Yes. And there's one player that spoke out about it and said, I experienced this in Edmonton in the mid-2000s. And, you know, it hasn't really worked out there because, yeah, you get the draft picks, but, you know, they haven't really figured things out. Do you guys know which player this is? He played for the Leafs? Marinson! Yeah. No, he's a no, forward. He was annoyed. Oh, oh. And so he played for the Leafs at the time. Yes. Um, and he oh. said, I experienced the early years of the rebuild. And I know Not that. Gagne. Gagne was always Vancouver, yeah. right? No. Okay, I'll, I'll just say it. Say it. By the way, this is a preview for our quiz show. So oh. uh, please tune into that next preview. week. What a guys. great preview. Yeah. Okay. But anyways, it was Joffrey Lupel. Oh. Uh, Joffrey Lupel. Because oh, remember, he, when he was a duck the first time, he was involved in the trade that got Chris, Chris Pronger to that. Yes, line. yes, yes. He was the one that foretold that a rebuild is not necessarily the way to go sometimes because there's not really any direction for the yeah. young guys. But you know, just just like Joffrey, he all, I love you, but it worked for the Leafs. Just like he said, he was he should have played even though the doc, two doctors yeah. said he shouldn't. Um, Sidney Crosby just got taken down and still managed to get a shot away for an empty netter, and that was amazing. He's so freaking good. Right, um, last Crosby thing, is good. We'll, we will speed it up for this last segment because I think yeah. my mom is waiting for me to cook. Oh. Get, like, cook dinner. Mm-hmm. So, um, Pierre Lebrun had a really good athletic article. Brian Burke has finally gone through, guys. The um, Bill Daly, Deputy Commissioner of the NHL, has confirmed that the draft lottery format is being worked on. And when the time is right, apparently it will be discussed at the board of governors meeting. Here are two really interesting points. Um, so uh, LeBron talking about how he's hurt. He has spoken to about a dozen or so team executives and he has heard um, this from back on Thursday that there was one idea that popped up more than others when fixing the draft lottery system and two sort of the points here. Improving the odds of winning the lottery for the bottom ranked teams. If you remember, I believe it was back in like 2017 or something. They actually adjusted the odds to be taken away from the worst teams to prevent them from tanking. Edmonton. Well, in the <clears throat> intermediate, yeah, this was after McDavid wins Edmonton. In the intermediate, a bunch of teams moved up in the lottery. Dallas to get Haskinen. Philly to get Nolan Patrick. New Jersey twice. Um, to get Heischer and, and, um, and Hughes. The Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers to get Kako, um, Kako and Lafreniere. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Um, but there is a second point to prevent this. 
But in doing so, this caveat, any team drafting in the top three one year can't do so the following year or some version of that limiting repeat customers at the top. Yeah, has oh, someone so been was... talking? Sorry, that sounds, I don't know. That sounds weird, that line. Sorry, go the ahead. Customers. Yeah, there was also another suggestion rule in there that also maybe teams wouldn't be able to move up more than three spots because, of course, Detroit should have been at least a top three pick last year because they were just so bad, like historically garbage, and oh. they got shafted all the way to fourth. No disrespect to Lucas Raymond, but Alexi Lafreniere should be a Detroit Red Wing right now. Yeah, he should be. Mm-hmm. Or um, senator, I don't know. No, go. Ahead. Yeah, it's, it, I hope it, not. It sounds like uh, someone's been talking to Brian Burke. Yeah, because that and is he, what he's been saying for the last how many years? I guarantee they won a lottery. You, talking to Pittsburgh, he was like, "Look, okay, listen." I'm president of hockey ops. I want to go to the board of governor meetings and I'm going to talk about the lottery. <laughs> it's bull crap. And I'm going to untie my tie. I don't care. That means he's about business. Exactly. And I don't care what the others think of me. That's what I think. Good segment, guys. Except you, Elliot. <laughs> friend of the show, Elliot Friedman. Friend of the show, Sorry, Elliot say that. I like my shoes. I, I, it's not the worst. Like, it's really not the worst idea. I think you're right. Like, I think there's been a lot of movement, uh, especially in the top three in in recent years. Um, does it restrict that? A, a little bit. It does, right? Having the not being able to be in the top three again because it's going to stop teams from tanking. I don't necessarily think it does. Like, I, I think sometimes... Listen, every team, most teams go through a rebuild, right? Like you have to bottom out. But like what team who's gone through a rebuild hasn't bottomed out? Um, I think the Rangers didn't 100% because they still had Chris Kreider, but they're still, they haven't taken that prolific next step. And they got lucky by winning the lottery two but, years. But would you consider what they did a rebuild or a retool? I mean, they kicked Henrik Lundqvist out the door. Yeah, they did. They're weird, the Rangers. But like, but, that's the only one I can think of. Like, Ottawa has bottomed out. The Leafs bottomed out. Edmonton oh, bottomed out 10 times. The yeah, Sharks Sabre. for a bit, like in the early 2000s, and then they kind of worked their way back up. That's a bit too early 2000s. I don't remember what was happening in life back then. All right. Well, they traded like I a bunch you. of role players for Joe Thornton. So, I mean, that, that was the rebuild. It right. Like I think it every every league has bad teams, mm-hmm. right? You go to every single league with a draft system. There's always going to be bad teams, whether they're doing it on purpose or not. It's just how are you going to stop? How are you fully going to stop teams from tanking? Is this a stretch? But I would say Nashville because the only time they had David Leguan was because they were an expansion team, and he was their <laughs> highest pick. Well, we'll see because after this year, Nashville should probably look at this. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's tough. How are you going to fully stop teams from bottoming out? Because I think Detroit did last year, and yeah. I think it was quite obvious it was on purpose. Yeah. But you can't stop teams. You can't stop them from doing that. It's just how it works. Well, um, 
we'll see once it actually gets to the board of governors. It's it's something that definitely needs to have changed, honestly. Um, I think we've all been looking for a better solution to the draft lottery since Taylor Hall was drafted, much less Connor McDavid. Um, so yeah, um, I believe that's it. It's just now you have to get investment for every team because if you're a team like San Jose, for example, you haven't been in the lottery. You should have been last year. But <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say there for a second. They've never been in the lottery. Like they've never had that issue with rise like to them. Um, so guys, just I'm I'm going to go now because I have to. Before you, you go, want to just yeah yeah. Go ahead. What is for dinner? Steak. Awesome. With, oh, yeah. with roast potato, with uh, baked potatoes. I wanted to do couscous or craft dinner, but I was shut down. Craft because apparently that you craft cannot dinner. do craft dinner. You can't do craft dinner as a nice starch with your uh, or side dish. I don't know, Alex. I, my mother didn't want to have craft dinner with the steak. I, I knows best. That's a great combination I've never tried. Well, we'll do a cooking uh, episode one day. We should. We, we should. should. All right, lads. Well, okay. have a good end to the show. Bye, listeners. I will see okay. you next day. Bye, Adam. Yep. Daniel, who would you, would you like to end it or shall I? I believe in you, Alex. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the two on one podcast. Um, if you enjoyed it, make sure you uh, make sure you hit subscribe, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Apple or iTunes or podcast app, whatever it's called now. Um, leave a rating there as well. If you listen on Spotify, you know what? Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to so that when this podcast comes up, you know, it's up. Um Make sure, again, check out the YouTube. Uh, check out Daniel's work on the eye-opener and the hockey hockey writers. Hockey writers, is that what yes. it is? God. Okay, good. Um, and then check out Adam's HFRs, all of Will's stuff from this episode. Uh, it's going to be in the description. Make sure you go check it out. Um, our social medias will be down there. Thank you to Voice Ed for being such a great platform for us to be on. Um, am I missing anything? One more thing. What? Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm going to... Oh, I don't have the song up. Never mind. You know what? Next year. Okay. Yeah, let's see you guys. <laughs>